The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter and the guest co-host chair back for the first time in a while. It's Colin Brister. At Colin Brister on Twitter, he has his own podcast now with Brian Scott Rippey. It's the Rebel Report, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, just as you can with Talk of Champions by simply searching Talk of Champions. And when you do, go to iTunes. Make sure to leave that five-star review, subscribe, rate, review, 
We're in SoundCloud, Spotify. We should be wherever you get your podcast. But if we're not in a particular spot, let me know at Spirit Ben, and I'll get it there. Kentrell Lockett coming up in just a little bit for the 40-yard dash, brought to you by Impact by Ironwood. But first, it's Colin Brister. Hey, buddy, what's up? Not much, man. Not much. It's uh, it, Yeah, it's been a little while, but uh, glad to be back. Do you feel the excitement? Dude, with the guests that you've had, I'm, I'm just kind of honored, you know? Oh, stop. <laughs> How's everything been going, man? What have you been up to? Not much. I'm, I'm back in school working on a master's degree, so it's been an experience. But other than that, not too much. Former Ole Miss defensive end Kentrell Lockett coming up at about 15, 20 minutes for the 40-yard dash brought to you by Impact by Ironwood. Before we really get going here with Colin, let me tell you about my bookie. As a true football fan, you already know just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season. College football season is wrapping up, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Bet with the best at MyBookie. Best part is if you join right now, MyBookie will double, double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, to activate the offer. That's promo code TOC to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Ole Miss was off last week, got Auburn this weekend, a trip to the Plains. They're not going to win that game, but what do you expect this weekend? Is it possible that Auburn comes in a little hungover after, you know, the close loss to LSU? Maybe. I think Ole Miss is maybe down seven to ten points in, at, at the half, and Auburn probably runs off with it in the second half. I don't think Ole Miss has much chance to win the football game, but if it's a seven to 14 point game in the third quarter, I don't think I'd be shocked at that either. Is there anything Matt Luke can do over these final four games to turn the tide as far as fan sentiment is concerned? Beat Auburn or LSU, but I don't see that happening. So other than that, I mean, I don't even think an Egg Bowl win would, would do that at this point, you know? The Egg Bowl should never decide whether or not a head coach gets a job. Now, that's exactly what happened when Matt Luke was given the job following the Egg Bowl a couple of years ago. They finished 6-6. Six and six. Everyone said what a good job he'd done, but now since it's 5-7, and seven, either 4-8 and eight or 5-7 and seven this year most likely, they could win more. Statistically, mathematically, they're still alive for that type of a finish. But if anyone thinks that that's going to happen, you're fooling yourself. So when you get to the end of the year, if it comes down to Mississippi State, whether or not you win four games or five games, and if five games means you stay and keep Matt Luke, or four wins mean you get rid of him, why? To put everything on one football game, I don't think that sounds logic. Mississippi State's not a good football team. Why would beating them in start will matter so much as to the direction of your program and how it's going? It just doesn't seem logical to me, but a lot of things that Ole Miss has done lately don't, don't seem logical to me, so I'm, I'm sure that could be the case when they go over there to Starville on Thanksgiving. wouldn't surprise me at all. It would be unwise. It was unwise to make a hire based on that specifically back a couple of years ago with Matt Luke. Yep. Not to say it was necessarily considering the pool they were – really going after as far as who their head coach would be next. Matt Luke might have been the best candidate of that pool. It depends on what you think of Dave Dorn or whoever else was really involved there. Maybe a Chad Morris. God, I think everyone at this point could agree. Matt Luke's probably better than Chad Morris for Ole Miss football. Sure. Chad Morris has been bad. I mean, he's out there making winning proclamations for the Mississippi State-Arkansas <laughs> game this weekend. I mean, where do you get off making that kind of proclamation that you're going to beat any team right now if you're Chad Morris? 
it feels like that was just dumb because Mississippi State looks like a team that's ready to quit. And now all of a sudden you're guaranteeing victories. I don't believe in billboard material too much, but if a team's ready to lie down, I feel like you probably just let them lie down, right? Sure. And I don't believe in billboard material either, but I do think that there is something to this. What it means more than anything else for me, Chad Morris is desperate. It may be desperation is something that Chad Morris, Arkansas needs, just as it might be for Ole Miss with Matt Luke. Being desperate can wield some strange things. And in Many situations, like it was with Dabo Swinney, not in any way comparing Chad Morris and Matt Luke to Dabo Swinney, but there was a time in which Dabo Swinney was on the hot seat at Clemson, did some desperate things, and now he's a national championship caliber coach and one of the best in college football, probably the second best or third best, depending on what you think of Lincoln Riley, behind Nick Saban. So maybe you see some desperation from Matt Luke, but again, it goes back to this. If Matt Luke isn't your guy, if you're Glenn Boyce, for good, bad, Worse, whatever. Glenn Boyce is the chancellor for Ole Miss. We don't know who the AD is going to be. I would figure it would come from John Hartwell or Keith Carter or a few other names. I know Charlie Hussey would be a leading candidate for them, but Charlie Hussey is second in command at the SEC. Whenever Greg Sankey leaves, Charlie Hussey's probably going to be the SEC commissioner. Does he want Ole Miss now or does he want to wait 10 years, whatever it might be, to become the SEC commissioner? I can't really give you that answer. I don't know what Charlie Hussey would be thinking. Danny White, I've heard that a little bit. But at the end of the day, whoever the leadership is, you can't make a determination based on the egg bowl. It's like history repeating itself, and I don't want to see Ole Miss do it again because now you're in a situation to where you don't know what the future holds here. But if Matt Luke isn't your guy, the next recruiting class, the egg bowl result, whatever be damned, make your move. I think this offseason, Ole Miss could be pretty well positioned if it decided to go that route to make a good hire, to make a hire amongst a pool that's pretty strong. I don't think Tennessee's opening up. Jeremy Pruitt, I mean, Tennessee quietly is playing really well, improving, yeah. And Florida State's probably not opening up. Willie Taggart's kind of saved his job. I think Arkansas is opening up. Are you really worried about an Arkansas opening? But here's my question, and you'll have more information on this. Man, they got 30 days to the Egg Bowl. Like, are they going to be able to get an AD in there to make a coaching decision and then go find another coach within the next month? That seems like a tough logistics sell. I don't think that they are going to make a move. I think no matter what, Matt Luke is back. With you. But the deal with it is you're starting one and four next year. And if Matt Luke starts one and four, let's all be real. I think Matt Luke would admit won't look good for him long term. Here's my worry with that. If he starts one and four, and, and they go two and five, whatever, they still have a chance to make a bolt because Arkansas and State are going to be bad. you got Vanderbilt. That would be my concern is you start one and five next year and he winds up going six and six because he beats Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. you got to keep him at that point, right? I mean, I, I don't think Ole Miss is in a position as a program to fire a coach that makes a bowl game. I'm not convinced that if he starts one and four, they don't fire him then. Oh, then you're getting into the interim thing when they make a bowl game and, oh, God, Mike McIntyre or Rich Rodriguez is your coach now. Oh, Rich Rodriguez, in my opinion, is one and done. I feel like Uh from everybody I've talked to, just the general sentiment out there, he's got one foot out the door, which isn't a surprise. Shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. But Mike McIntyre, everyone talked about him being a leading candidate at Vanderbilt, which makes a lot of sense. Sure. His dad coached there. It's a legacy hire. But reports come out today, as we're recording this on Monday, that Jeff Fisher and Vanderbilt might end up married to each other. Can you imagine Jeff Fisher in the SEC, how bad that would be? Hard to go 8-8 in the SEC. 
can go six and six, and maybe that's enough for Vanderbilt <laughs> over the course of a ten year run. Static with six and six over ten years. Every single year goes six and six. But if Mike McIntyre doesn't get a head coaching opportunity and he becomes your interim head coach at one and four, and you do win, I don't think anybody would mind seeing what Mike McIntyre would do. But at the end of the day, most people would agree in the off season, regardless of leadership, regardless if it's Keith or whoever making hire, who cares? That doesn't really matter to me. And I know that an AD has to make his hire. But good grief, do you think Keith Carter and John Hartwell and Danny White and Charlie Husky are all that different as far as who they consider for the pool? No. So if Keith Carter's running a search and Mike Norvell is right there for you, because I think right now is the prime time. If you wanted to go get Mike Norvell, you could get him. Game day's going to Memphis. And I've said it. I was the one that reported it on this podcast a long, long time ago now that Ole Miss flagged some things in his background that were concerning. Those things still hold true, but let's be honest here. We're talking candidly. I'm tired of talking around this. Let's just talk candidly. Okay. Rich Rodriguez had significant red flags. Yep. Mike yep. McIntyre had significant red flags, not personally, but with what he was dealing with the coaching staff member sure. at Colorado. If yep. Ole Miss is so concerned, truly, or was so concerned about off-the-field issues, well, they're kind of hypocritical in terms of their assistant coaching hires. And if you're willing to do that with two big names for offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, stands to reason you'd be willing to do that for your head coach too. I think yes. Matt Luke feels like he's coaching for his job. I think everybody in and around this program, including fans, believe that Matt Luke is coaching for his job. The problem is that Ole Miss doesn't have somebody to make the next hire in an official capacity that you know is going to be there long-term, except for Glenn Boyce. And Glenn Boyce should not be making that hire on his own. It's a tough situation because, I'll be honest, in a lot of people's situations, because let's just play out that Matt Lugo's goes five and seven this year. Most places aren't really going to fire a guy after two years if he goes five and seven, five and seven. If he goes three and nine, two and ten, yeah. But it's, a, it's just a different deal at Ole Miss with how he was hired and how it's kind of gone. And frankly, the talent level that he had last year still gets held against him, even with the coordinator snafu. I get that. But in most situations, he's probably not on the hot seat, I would say. But it's just the everything that kind of surrounded that hire puts more of an emphasis on on him to win immediately because he doesn't get that benefit of the doubt. As he shouldn't, quite frankly. No, no agree. He got an opportunity that was unique. It was unique in how it was aligned for him to get the job. They shouldn't be operating normally when making the decision on whether or not to keep Matt Luke. I get the thought process that he had a really good 2019 recruiting class. If he has a really good 2020 recruiting class, considering what they were operating with roster-wise for so long with the scholarship limitations, players not being at his disposal that were SEC level, that you need two full classes, that that's important. And that's why you need to let him get one more year, get it in, and then next year, if they lose, so what, you fire him after next year. I just don't know if I agree with that. I feel like half measures at this point have been done so often with Ole Miss over the last six, seven years that it's time to do the opposite. Either choose to fire him or choose to keep him long-term and let it be this year. Stop trying to thread the needle of half measures. It didn't work. It's not going to work if you continue to try to operate that way. Matt Luke owned up to it. I had him on this podcast, and he straight up – I asked him, why keep Phil Longo and Wesley McGriff? They weren't your coordinators, whatever. And I commend him for the answer. He said, I did it because they helped me get the job. It would be bad form, more or less, to thank the guys for helping me get the job and then turn around and fire them. Right. But in coaching, in head coaching circles, in head coaching environments, you're judged based on one thing, whether you win or whether you lose. It's a scoreboard business. You're judged by the win-loss record. 
It doesn't matter about feelings. And I understand where he was coming from, and I appreciate that. That's a commendable thing. But now you've set yourself a year back with those coordinators that weren't yours. Now you're on the hot seat, whether you think you are or not. I think he's on the hot seat. I don't think Ole Miss is making a change, but it's time we started having the conversation out from the shadows, not tiptoeing around it anymore. It's finally time to face the music here. What do you do with, with his contract, though? Do you extend him back out to four years and, and hurt recruiting? Or, or how do you? what would you do if you're going to keep him? What do you do with that? You're making my point again. Half measures don't work. I was a, one of those people that was on board with Keith Carter not extending Mike Bianco's contract. Agreed. But short term, it makes sense. Long term, it hurts Ole Miss's baseball program. So if you're Keith Carter, if you're John Hartwell, whoever is the AD and I don't know, a month, two months, three months. If Mike Bianco wasn't your guy, fire him yeah, and hire someone else. Half measures aren't what's going to get this thing done, turned around and operating in a way that's both beneficial for the head coach that's in place and also for the program and the fans that want to see some good. Half measures don't work. Whoever's making the decision in a couple of months, well, hell, 30 days away, like you mentioned from the Egg Bowl. If you're 30 days away from the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss is lost. It's finished four and eight. Either you extend out the contract and let him keep being the head coach or you fire him. I'm with you there. Mike's situation was a little bit different because his salary had gotten out of control with the bonuses and whatnot. But I, I'm with you. You either have to go all – it was like the, the situation with AK. You either extend him or you fire him. And, and either would have been acceptable, I guess. Firing him probably not so much. But – I'm with you. you. You can't go, you know, half half toe in, half toe out. Like at some point, somebody's got to make a decision and, and quit quit beating around the bush with this. Yeah. That's it. Because yeah. half measures have not worked. I feel like a broken record now, but it's what it is. <laughs> that's just yeah. the way it no, is. You're right. Now, if you do get rid of Matt Luke and staff, it's going to cost you 14 million. Yeah, and that's a lot of money for a program that doesn't have a lot of money right now. I think they could come up with it. Yeah, yeah. People are pissed off enough that funding would begrudgingly happen. I'm just to the point now, as far as Mike Norvell is concerned, that you were worried about his background. Fine. I don't care. Do you just come out and address all that stuff at the beginning? If you no. did hire him? No. You just hope it doesn't come out? Did you address it with Richrod? No. I, but in fairness, I don't know how bad this stuff is. Like, I mean, well, I just keep, there's a reason he's still at Memphis, is always what I'm told. It was motivated from Ole Miss's end. Here, here's one thing I want to clear up. There's a rumor out there that Tennessee found out something about Mike Norvell in background and shared it with Ole Miss. That's not what right. happened. Didn't happen at all. Not with Arkansas either. Ole Miss did its own vetting in background and found something that was unique to Ole Miss that would hurt the minute they hired him because right. there was a rival not too far south that was motivated, namely a rival reporter that was motivated to continue its crusade in, quote, exposing Ole Miss, however asinine that might be, because now you look at Mississippi State, you look at Ole Miss. Where are they? <laughs> it's almost like they're back where they've always been. Was it worth it, Mississippi State? Was it worth it now that neither Ole Miss or Mississippi State are nationally relevant? These two teams are going to meet in the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving, and no one outside of the fan bases that root for these teams, the players Fair. and coaches involved, are going to give half a crap about it. <laughs> They're going to tune in and see if they fight. That's about the only thing that's worth watching. That's the only thing for a national audience. So you'll care. The people you see at church will care. 
but no one else will. So was it worth it to you? But for Ole Miss, that's what happened with Mike Norvell. Something came up that someone associated with that school that torpedoed Ole Miss's efforts would have been exposed on day one. That's as far as yep. I'm ever going to go with it, period. Yep. And that would have hurt. Yeah. Now, they- who cares? We'll jump right back to Colin Brister for that answer here on Talk of Champions after this brief word on Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Don't look now, but the holiday season is almost upon us. That special time of year to spend with family and friends, and that includes spoiling your loved ones. And what better way to spoil them than with a new car? Now, the car buying process, no one loves it. That's why the only place to go, the only place I've ever gone, is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. And there are numerous reasons why drivers choose Alan Samuels of Oxford. They proudly serve Oxford, Batesville, New Albany, Sinatobia, Memphis, and their teams of sales advisors, service technicians, and financing experts are trained with one focus in mind, addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And that means you can expect to learn all of the features of the specific new Ram 1500, 2500, Jeep Wrangler Unlimited, Dodge Charger, or Chrysler Pacifica you're interested in in the market for a used car. Their team will be happy to fill you in on each of the reliable options in their inventory. And when the time comes for you to drive home your next car, their auto finance team is standing by with solutions to fit your individual needs. Alan Samuels of Oxford truly has every one of your automotive needs covered. The only question left now is how they can best serve you. To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. It's probably less relevant nowadays than it would be back then when Ole Miss was under the microscope so much with this. So uh, that would have probably just been another disaster waiting to happen in, in a situation where Ole Miss couldn't handle more disasters. But I'm kind of with you. It feels like at some point Mike Norvell is going to leave Memphis. Somebody's going to take the dude. Why not Why not make it you, you know? If you're Ole Miss, stop trying to play nice or try to appease all of the different voices around you the Dan Wolken and national media who will never like you. Greg Sankey in the SEC commissioner's office that are apparently never going to truly have your back 100%. The NCAA, who everyone across college football should be given the middle finger to every time there's any type of inquiry by that backwards organization into a particular program. So if you're Ole Miss, don't be nice. Southern hospitality might ass. <laughs> Be the bad guy of the SEC if you want to be. Who cares? Embrace it. Be the Oakland Raiders. Auburn Auburn did it. They just told the NCAA to screw off, and they don't really care. That's what Ole Miss should have done from the beginning. I get it was a little more – there were a little bit more intricate details than that, but, yeah, who cares if people like you? I mean, as long as you're winning, who who gives a shit? Stop worrying about it. Who cares? And what I mean by being the bad guy is, yeah, if you hire Mike Norvell and that stuff comes out that you were so concerned about – let the bad press come. Let yeah. Dan Wolken write what he's going to write. These guys have been exposed through the basketball recruiting scandal, be it at LSU or even with Mississippi State, who had just as, if not more egregious 
infractions with their football program but were not treated or covered in the same way or penalized in the same way by the NCAA. There were no think pieces, no opinion pieces written out there, no Steve Robertson doing what he said was his journalistic duty with Ole Miss, (laughs) with Mississippi State. If they're going to write what they're going to write because they're agenda-driven hacks, let it happen. Let it happen. If you feel like he's your guy, go with him. Let people talk their shit because at the end of the day, if he's winning – Nothing else matters. It'll all fall away. Who's going to punish you for winning? The NCAA will try, but next time you at least know how to handle it. And you have a coach that's not going to quote Exodus to a uh, NCAA investigator. That'll probably help too. Yeah, that'll, that'll help. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but the the kids at state were led astray by a rogue tutor. <sighs> <laughs> led astray. That was a quote. But see, Laramie Tunsil, because he held out a loaner card too long, he slept on a couch. He's the devil. <laughs> Bad kids. Bad kids. But remember, academic fraud with Ole Miss, we're not talking enough about that. Academic fraud. What do you call what happened at Mississippi State? Let's stop pretending like anyone cares about anything in college football outside of the team that they cheer for. If it's a fan journalist like Steve Robertson or a fan base, period, you don't care about Ole Miss other than Ole Miss going down just as you want to see Mississippi State be successful But I ask you once more, was it worth it? Because now these two teams don't matter. And that's unfortunate. That's really unfortunate because there was a time in which Mississippi college football was at its highest point, 2014. It had never been better. It will never get that good again. Why couldn't everyone just swallow their pride, swallow the spit over the lump in your throat, and accept that these two programs are going to go at each other for years? and they're going to compete for the SEC West for years. They're not going to allow Alabama to be the slam dunk SEC West champion every single year, save for this year because LSU, I think, is the best team in the country. Hats off to Ed Ordron. He's proving me wrong. Good for him. Yeah, it's almost like people grow and improve because that that Ed Orgeron is not the same person that was in Oxford 10 years ago. No, he's 10 and 25 over three years. Yeah. It wasn't just because of Ole Miss's ineptitude. It wasn't that Ed Orgeron was that Ed Orgeron back then. The narrative that Ed Orgeron was fine back in Oxford, that Ole Miss just screwed. Like, come on, man. He, he was running full scrimmages at, at halftime of games. Like, this is not the same cat. Oh, Kentrell Lockett's coming up for the 40-yard dash. We'll talk more about Ed Orgeron. He's got stories for days. We've told <laughs> these stories on Talk of Champions for three, four years now. We know what happened at Ole Miss. He has learned. He has grown. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. He's become a good head coach. Who'd have thunk it? He surrounded himself with people who he knows are smarter than him at their particular areas of expertise. So let them work. He wanted to have his hands in everything at Ole Miss. But going back to the point, LSU and Alabama are competing. In a year or two, maybe next year, maybe the year after that, the year after that, Auburn and Alabama will compete. Maybe uh, Texas A&M jumps up finally. I doubt it. They were both right there. Is Dan Mullen still there without the NCAA mess? No. You think he's gone? Yeah, he's gone. But the interest in that job... The coaches at their disposal would have been different. Not that Joe Moorhead wasn't a good hire when it was made. I actually liked that hire and thought it was innovative when they made it. But had Dan Mullen left after they won, I don't know, an SEC West title or whatever, had he gone somewhere, I think that the pool of candidates for them would have been much different. Yeah. And they would have been able to hire their Ben Howland for football. Hugh Freeze going to Florida would have solved everything. Oh, God. Who's the coach at Ole Miss? Let's play that out. Who's the coach at Ole Miss if Freeze goes to Florida? Is it smart? Did they just hire him? I think Kirby was always waiting for Georgia. 
Okay. No matter what. Probably been McIlwain then. <sighs> he wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. It probably Somebody been. like that. Not that he would have been successful here. <laughs> he wasn't successful at Florida. That's a unique job, though. Florida's different. You got to be a good coach to win at Florida because not everybody wins there. Like, it's not where you can just walk in and win. Of course, no job except maybe Ohio State and Oklahoma are. People have lost at Alabama, too. Florida's got a unique set of challenges. And Dan Mullen has proven he's a good coach. He's a terrible, terrible person. Oh, he's absolutely. a good coach. He's a good coach. Hugh Freeze, I don't know if he's that good of a coach. And I'm sorry, I did take a little get bit. get credit for winning at the level he did at Ole Miss, but yeah, I'm with you. I did take a little bit of solace or enjoyment out of them getting boat raced by Rutgers. <laughs> did you? It was fun. <laughs> they were not competitive. Of course they weren't. Another guy that might be of interest for Ole Miss, Dino Babers. Yeah, he struggled a little this year, but you don't build Syracuse up like he has without being a good football coach. Yeah. I think he's destined to make a leap somewhere. And whoever takes that chance on Dino Babers, because I think he's taking Syracuse as far as Syracuse can go. Right. They're going to have a really good coach. Somebody's going to hire a good coach in Bill Clark. I'm not sure if that's the right fit at Ole Miss, but someone is going to hire him and have a good football coach. Mike Norvell, in my opinion, is the perfect fit. I'm done with the excuse of Ole Miss saw this. I don't don't care. I don't care. (laughs) But Matt Luke deserves his opportunity. This is his opportunity. I wouldn't say he's earned this opportunity. I don't think anyone can say he's truly earned this opportunity. And that's no disrespect to Matt Luke. I like Matt Luke personally a lot. He's a good dude. dude. And I think he's a good coach with the things he has his expertise with. I think he's a good offensive line coach. I've defended that dude from friends or other media people who try to disagree a lot of the offensive line failures under Freeze were on Freeze. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. The scheme was atrocious. I think Matt Luke is a valuable recruiter. I think he's actually a dynamic recruiter. I think he's great in homes. I think he relates with recruits and their families. But this job, I don't know if it's ever going to work full on. I don't think he's ever going to have the full support of the fan base. I don't think he's ever going to win like Ole Miss wants to win. Not to say Ole Miss is trying to win 9, 10 games a year. You basically want to be what Arkansas was with Matt Jones. Sure. You win six, you win seven, you win nine in the perfect third year. Maybe that nine turns into 10, 11. That's what you want. Two years of being at least a bowl-eligible team. No excuses. No more falling back to four and eight, five and seven, three and nine. Get that noise out of here. Ole Miss can be better than that. Ole Miss can be an every-year bowl team. Yeah, you play Vanderbilt every year for the love of God. If anyone believes that the floor for Ole Miss is a constantly moving plane, then they're fooling themselves. Ole Miss has proven, hell, under David Cutcliffe, the head coach that everyone was ready to run off, that every year they can be competitive. Every year they can go to a bowl. But you're waiting to get that coach that can go to a bowl in years one and two, and in year three, you're taking your shot. You've got John Rice Plumley and Jerry Elias Jr.'s. I cannot be convinced otherwise that it's not a failure of Matt Luke that this team isn't a bowl-eligible team. You lost to Memphis. You lost to Cal. Missouri has proven they're not any good either. You lost to Texas A&M, who you were better than. You dominated in every way but the final score. You can't convince me that this is anything other than a failure of Matt Luke. And you have to own that if you're the head coach. It is not personal. I'm not trying to attack him. 
He probably would be disappointed or upset that I'm saying these things. People around him, too. This is not personal. Again, I have nothing but respect, and I like those guys over there. But we have to be honest when we're doing podcasts, when we're writing stories, about what the situation is. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, he, he wasn't given the benefit of the doubt when he took the job, nor should he have been. And he's not helped himself. Um, and, you know, Matt Luke's working his tail off. I understand that. But he's two and five in games where the, the spread is a touchdown or less. Um, it just is what it is at this point. At some point, you've got to win some of these football games. And frankly, they haven't won enough. Ole Miss fans, look, you can keep him firing. You know, I, I understand either way, frankly. Um, but you can't really criticize fans at all that are hell bent on making a change at this point. My opinion is quite simple. I am tired of tiptoeing around it, of walking on eggshells about what is the number one topic in the minds of every Ole Miss football fan. Sure. I feel like it's an insult to the intelligence of the fan base, of the coaches who are trying to win, of myself, of anyone that's around this program right now to not talk about this frankly. And I hope that it works for Matt Luke. I hope he goes and beats Auburn and upsets LSU and wins the Egg Bowl. I hope he does all of those things. This is not personal because it's better for me if he does. My business, what I do, the interest from you as fans is far more significant and heightened if that Ole Miss football team is out there winning. Yep. But they're not. And they're not winning games that are winnable. If Ben Garrett is the athletic director and Ole Miss finishes five and seven with an Egg Bowl uh, victory, what do you do? What do you think I would do? You'd hire Mike Norvell. But that is not a personal thing for Matt Luke. Yeah. I am all about the, the results. I think Ole Miss has become too much of a pocket of people who want to play nice with each other. And I feel like it's like a country club sometimes. Yep. I want to take care of this person. I don't think that the good old boy network that everyone has always talked about. It's like the Illuminati out there, right? (laughs) Who are they? Who are they? I know who people are referencing at times, but I don't think that there is the same kind of influence on Ole Miss that people think there is. There used to be, but it's not like it used to be. Right. I think it's different. But I also think that there is a group of people that are in positions of power, not necessarily based on performance, that want to keep those positions and want to do right by Ole Miss, sure, but they want to do right by themselves and by the people that they work in close proximity with every single day more than they do the overall betterment of Ole Miss. And they should be that way. It should be that way. They should be selfish. I'm selfish in my job. You should be selfish. That's true. But Ole Miss has to get out of the frame of mind that there's a ceiling to what they can be, that everything was handled properly with the NCAA. We did the best we could. You've heard that over and over and over. That excuse has run a little thin to where I can't even buy it anymore. Just acknowledge that you screwed some stuff up. Say it on record. If you're Matt Luke, acknowledge that losing to Memphis and to Cal and to Texas A&M, and to Missouri, teams that were four games in which you could have very easily at least been 2-2, two and two, that's on you. It has to be. You're the head coach. You can't have all the good and none of the bad. That comes with the big boy chair. Yeah. I don't think the, the most redeeming quality of your football coach needs to be that he hires good assistants. Like, to me, that says he hires other people to call plays. And I don't – I mean – that feels like a, an extreme negative when you have to have good assistance to make sure that you do your job well. Um, and that's kind of Matt's calling card right now is that he hires good assistance. And while that's true, like maybe 
that shouldn't be the best thing about you. Maybe you should be a dynamic play caller. I mean, I think he is a good recruiter, but Matt's never called a play in his life. I don't think it just, it's a weird situation for Ole Miss. And I think the quicker that they figure out what direction they're going to go, it's the but for, for the better. Um, but man, they got to get some people in here that are going to make decisions or they got to hire the people that are here to make decisions. One of the others got to happen relatively soon, or this is going to go into December and Matt Luke's going to be the football coach, probably on a three-year deal. Going now to Kenshaw Lockett, former Ole Miss defensive end for the 40-yard dash. This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Bit on Twitter. Before we jump to 40, let me tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. I think we can all agree that Oxford has expanded. Our small little town, the home of the Ole Miss Rebels, is now jam-packed with new developments across the board from housing to restaurants, shops. And while Oxford is bustling like never before, it's made it hard on all of us to find the perfect home in the perfect spot. No one wants to spend three hours going to the grocery store. Fortunately, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, is here for you. An innovative new development brought to you by John Welty Realty. It's just blocks from the historic Oxford Square, offering 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses, setting a new standard for community living with keen detail to ease and classic elegance. One day you might be hungry. You take a few steps outside your front door, go to the grocery store. Maybe you'll get a drink at the brewery. Maybe spend some time shopping at one of the many offerings that the Lamar will have once development is done. Build out is happening right now, so get in while you can. The houses are modern. Open concept, one bedroom, two bedroom, whatever you're looking for in a home, the Lamar has the perfect spot for you. But you want to learn more, so call John Welty today, 662-638-6710. That's 662-638-6710. Hello at the LamarOxfordMS.com. Hello at the LamarOxfordMS.com. The Lamar is hot. The only place to live in this jam-packed town that we call home, Oxford, Mississippi. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. And Cheney's Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The 40-yard dash with former Ole Miss defensive end Kentrell Lockett. There he is. It's the big guy. Brought to you by Impact by Ironwood. It's the 40-yard dash here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter about to join me as Kentrell Lockett, former Ole Miss defensive end. The 40-yard dash is brought to you by Impact by Ironwood. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part? 
You don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. He's former Ole Miss defensive end Contrell Lockett for the 40-yard dash. 40, what's up, man? What's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you? You know, I can't complain. I'm living. I'm living. I'm dry, staying out this rain. Game day's coming to Memphis this weekend. Memphis and SMU taking on each other for a big game in the American Conference, I guess is what it is. You going out to see game day? Uh, man, I would want to, but, you know, I wish I could. I just want to be in the atmosphere, put up a sign or two, try and get on the stage, but I don't know if I can. Everything work out. But, but who would have thought, not only game day in Memphis, but who would have thought SMU? Like, SMU is good again. Ranked. Like, who would have thought, bro? Sonny Dykes, the head coach who failed at Cal, was good at Louisiana Tech. He's got him playing well at SMU. It's a surprise. He's a guy that wanted the Ole Miss job a number of times in which the Ole Miss job opened up. Sonny Dykes doing a good job at a program that traditionally hasn't been very good since, what, the 90s? That's the 90s since um, who? What was the running back name that they had that they got all in all that trouble, trouble with? I forget his name. They got the ESPN story on it since then. It's a weird time in college football. It's not like the NBA to where there's parity in the NBA, unlike we've seen in years and years and years. College football, you still know who the top contenders are. Alabama, Clemson, LSU, though, has jumped ahead of the pack. They're number one in the country right now. Ed Orgeron has led LSU football to the number one ranking in the country. You and I have talked ad nauseum about Ed Orgeron, but there was an online sentiment over the weekend after Ed Orgeron held on to beat Auburn with that LSU team that's so good and got that number one ranking. It's pretty telling that it wasn't Ed Orgeron. It was Ole Miss as to why Ed Orgeron failed. Your thoughts? You know what's crazy? It's, what, 11 o'clock or it's noon? And I had this conversation with somebody like nine o'clock this morning. They were talking about the differences, with the difference between Coach O being in Mississippi and Coach O being in Louisiana. Just the difference of him not having to explain what he say and repeating what he say as just a level of comfortability for him. You know, when you look at um, the talent pool that's at LSU that he, that he inherited compared to the talent talent that he draw that he drew there, compared to the talent that he took on when he came to Ole Miss and when he recruited as well. You can say it was somewhat the same pool. <clears throat> the only difference is the location, the the geographically. You know, he he's amongst people, uh, his peers, so to say. You know, there, there would be no commercial uh, making fun of the way he sound or a song making fun of the way he sound because that's those songs are culture for him back home. So all of that, just in a nutshell, is just is home for him. You know, look good, feel good, play good. I'm sure he don't he don't really too bother with how he look. You know, well, well I mean, cosmetically, he's a well kept guy, but still, you know, look good, feel good, play good, and he produced and he putting plays he putting players out uh, defensive. Uh, he got some good defensive uh, schemes going on, and you can tell that guy isn't the same guy he was when he was at Ole Miss. You know, you can say he was kind of fresh out. You live and you learn. I just hate that he was at Ole Miss. On the strength of us, me, like my our class, so to say. But you know, you you can see he's actually thriving in this in his environment. You brought up the most salient point. 
He's matured. He's learned. At Ole Miss, you can attest to this, Ed Orgeron wanted his hands in every single aspect of his program. Now at LSU, he's learned to delegate and allow for different coaches to do their jobs, what their specialties are, without interference from him. He's not overbearing anymore, and he's still the dynamic recruiter. What he's learned more than anything is to be a delegator, to be that head coach. He wasn't that way at Ole Miss. Not at all. He 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 was everything. <laughs> he was the chief, so to say. Like he would say so many times, too many chiefs, not enough Indians. So I guess now everyone is a chief in their own room at LSU. Because uh, I know he, he, was the, he was the head coach. We had a deep coordinator but he was the d coordinator we had a defensive line coach but he was a defensive line coach as well so you know his hand was in everything and at some points he would call run plays power plays dive plays um crunch routes you know well well, pitch at nines and certain things and i'll be like man i I didn't even know coach will call uh offensive plays but it was just like you said him him wanting to have that that control or so to say and and not delegate. Just wanted to be in charge at, at or be, had the reins at, at at all costs. It was detrimental. Your top three Ed Orgeron moments. We've talked about every single moment for the most part with you, but for those that don't remember how bad it was, if somebody came up and said forty, give me the three moments that perfectly describe Ed Orgeron's time at Ole Miss. What would those three moments be? Okay. One, maybe two. One, you can just, it, it would be, all right, we were in, um, it, was, it wasn't pregame, but it was like the Friday night before a game, and we had this whole little ritual that would go on. You know, they'll beat the drum, boom, 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 boom. The one heartbeat thing, all of that. Boom, 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 boom. And he'll call out the punt team. And it'll be like, and the punt team, ready, ready, and jump up. Guy jump up. All 11, yeah, all 11 have to pop out. And then they'll say, Kendrick Lewis is down. Hey, and then Kendrick Lewis, back up, will pop up. They'll be like, Kendrick Lewis is back in the game. And then he pop up and they'll be like, Jeremy McGee is down. And then his, uh, his backup will come in the game. So then Coach Thompson, Coach Thompson was out D. It wasn't Coach Thompson. It was Coach Ripon. Coach Ripon was uh, the DB coach at the time. And Coach Ripon was trying to get hype, was trying to, you know, just really be intense. And his intensity wasn't matching Coach O intensity. So Coach O, in order for him to just to heighten the intensity all together, he ripped a three-button shirt off of another grown man in front of us. Now, first off, it wasn't a T-shirt. It wasn't Hulk Hogan-type T-shirt, thin Nike jersey, Hanes, Fruit of Lavoon, none of that. It was the... Nike three button like dry fit, you know, type material. So some type resilient material. He tore that off the off the man. Now, now this wasn't a player. This was a coach. He may uh, that's Coach Thompson in another meeting. Coach Thompson was fumbling with his glasses, trying to read something off of a paper, and he was he didn't get his glasses on his face quick enough for Coach Ed Ogeron. And he just, Coach Thompson said, oh, what the hell? And was fumbling with him and just kind of squeezed him in his hand. And Coach, Nut, Coach O said, do it. Do it. Do it. 
like, 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 and Coach Thompson broke his glasses. And I'm like, damn, like, what type of control does a man or fear or whatever is the driving force here that'll make you break your glasses? The thing you need to see. <laughs> the, the things you need to see, you know, to to get from here to there, to make sure you see what you actually see. And he made you break down. Crazy. And last but not least, camp, camp. You know how I understand players getting in the cold tub, but I never saw in my life coaches getting in the cold tub. Never, 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 never. And it wasn't just because of them standing all day, being at practice, or trying to cool down from the heat. It was because they were sore, because they had to run where we would make a mistake. Because the mistake had to come from somewhere. So he would say, you ain't teaching them right, Coach, so you got to run with them too. But uh, he's not that guy anymore. He's not. So saw, but they did see a glimpse of it in that interview he had and, and coach uh, and the string coaches in the background. Just then they just were stretching and you, got, you caught a glimpse of it. You saw the face. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, whatever was coming out. <laughs> he was showing himself. But I'm still happy for him, man. I'm proud of him. More than I can actually say, more than I can actually show. That's so much growth. That's so much maturity. And he just landed in the place that 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 was needed and necessary for him. You know, I see everyone takes a job, but then there's the job. That was the job for him. You know, he can't. There's no other place that I think he could go and thrive the way he did or, or, or is right now. You know, just looking at his track work record everywhere he's been and the players he's put out. I think he's going to be here for a long time. And we've, we've, we've talked about this maybe last year or before, about him going to LSU, what it was going to be for him. And look where we are now. He's probably on the verge of competing for a natty, if not this year, next year. I was wrong about Ed Orgeron succeeding at LSU. Bully for him. It's unfortunate that Ole Miss identified what would ultimately become a quality head coach in college football so early and wasn't able to reap the benefits of it. He was 10-25 and 25 in three years at Ole Miss. And I know the what-if game is dangerous, but I ask you, had Ed Orgeron gotten a fourth year, would he have won like y'all won under Houston Nutton that first year? I don't think so, bro. Uh, we were so we were so broken and in the, in the abused by then. We were hand shy. I don't think that was that was you. You couldn't ignite a flame anymore with us. The only thing that could happen, it happened. It was change, and it was changed throughout. You know, it was it was like a bad breakup, and the next person to come along did everything right. They did everything that was unexpected, and did everything that the other person didn't do until they started doing what that other person did. You know, so it was it was the the uh, life just repeating itself. So so. That's that's really all. Of it. I I don't think so, bro. Cause cause what would have changed if he would have changed as a person? That wouldn't have, that that wouldn't have meant he would have changed his ways as a coach, his ways of of of, of coaching his team or commanding uh the or what he would actually demand from his coaches to deliver to his players. What would have actually changed? I think it would have took it would have took more years of of evolution, you know, or or, or just him going different places, um, picking and choosing. What to keep, what not to keep, what to shed, what to what to just keep with me along my journey. I, but I don't think that for you would have been good. You look at the players we would have had, you know, coming into that next year. We lost a few in the people, and, and and the ones we had coming in, and the people we had that we would have been good. But I don't think we would have been as good. I don't think we would have been as good because everything came in was different. Everything was new. 
and we learned that we pick it up so so quick because it was simple compared to how complex everything was trying to be with Coach O. Now let's look ahead to one more thing before we jump to Auburn briefly. He used to dip coffee grounds. He put y'all through that practice in a rain yeah. delay. That, I think, perfectly encapsulates what he was. He was a caricature of himself. He had some stuff to clean up mentally and in his own personal life. All of those things matter when you're trying to become the head coach that Ed Ordron has now become. Good for him. That's great. But it can't be forgotten all the egregious mistakes and mental and physical beatdowns he put on his players, such as yourself, throughout his tenure at Ole Miss. Y'all could no longer operate functionally under Ed Orgeron. That practice, go back through it one more time, what it was like and how quickly, just through that brief practice in a rain delay, he cost y'all any chance of potentially winning that game. It was a game before a game, a full-off game, full-on. You, we we already stretched. We already warm up. We already warmed up. We had a pregame and all of that on the field before the rain de- before the rain delay. Then we go inside, and not knowing how long the rain delay was going to be, anticipating 10, 15 minutes, we were like, okay, just sit in the locker, sitting in the locker, sitting in the locker. We were chilling. We were cool. And then I guess people got complacent, smiling, and not, I guess, taking the game seriously. And he started bullying the ring in the locker room at first. It was Reggie Hicks. It was Reggie Hicks. And it, it was the fullback. Andy Hart. Reggie Hicks and Andy Hartman. That's who it was. 32-43. Reggie Hicks, Andy Hartman. They sit there right on the end. Went full head. Boom. Then he lined up and did it again. Boom. Everybody's sitting like, man, dumbass did it. We on, we on got cleats on carpet. Like Berber carpet too, not thick at all. So there's there's nothing nothing to, to hold on, no grip, no nothing. So I guess it wasn't enough for him. He's like, oh, let's hit the end door, hit the end door, and we stretching all over again. Here come Coach Osmus, you know, a bunch of robots, a bunch of minions. You know, no one actually spoke up. No one that it's like how coach, 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 how are we about to play this game? We're about to have a scrimmage in here. I didn't understand it. Then we did bull in the ring in there. We did half line, which is full-on tackle, which would be a, a, a center guard tackle on the right side, center guard tackle, left side, but then you just have the the um, the tackle in the end and then the tackle in the end just on the other side, and you'd just be running plays, full-on power plays, dive, spill, collisions, just collisions after collisions, collisions. Like it, and it was unnecessary just to, I guess, to keep the blood flowing, keep the intensity going. Now here we here we are. Rain delay, forty five minutes. We didn't have another game. We back in the locker room eating oranges, eating power bars, drinking Gatorade to rehydrate, refuel, trying to just get that air back that was just uh, we just exhausted in there doing the pregame to to I don't know to satisfy what or who, and then to go out and to play the game. We had some energy to start the game because the blood still was flowing, still had a, uh, still had that adrenaline rush. But come halftime, there was nothing left in the tank. Depleted. It was raining. It was raining, so it was somewhat humid, airish. Uh, people had to get IVs. People cramping. I wonder why they're cramping. I wonder why. Not only are we playing a game, but we did play a game right before here, which still doesn't make any sense to me to this day. Like, how, why, what, what was the point? What did it prove? What did it not prove? To this day, man, I still don't understand it. I wonder 
if any other player that he has played for and he has been the head coach, if they went, if they, if they experienced anything like that on the rain delay, I'm sure before Ole Miss, like USC, all of that, I'm sure that's where it came from because we were a complete model of what happened in USC from Muscle Beach to the no name on the jersey to the black cleats with the white shoestrings, all of those type things. I'm sure that's where it came from. But I'm I'm curious to know if you're still continuing on to this day. Probably not. I'm sure you're not doing that at LSU. Your top Auburn memory from your playing career? Auburn at Ole Miss 08. I think that was coaching that first year, and they were good. But I, all I remember just plays, making plays after plays after plays after plays. It, we kept them in. Uh, it was in the back. It was, I was student section. I just remember them running the toss, and then there was a TFL. Then they tried to run like a, a reverse, and there was another TFL. It just was a constant, uh, just a spring of consistent plays of TFLs that I remember and just celebrating with the student section. One of those, I have one of those actual pictures, actually, and I have the game ball from that game. And the other, the other most memorable moment was playing Auburn in Auburn when I came back from that ACL injury, and I've been hyping and griping all year, man. I just won't play or I won't practice. I'm like, you don't know how, you don't know if I'm back to full speed unless I can showcase myself. You don't know if I'm back to, to game speed or game capability unless you put me in the game. And the first play I got in the Auburn game, I recovered a fumble. The first play, the first play he put me in the game. And then I probably had some choice words that I shouldn't have said, but I was emotional. I'm like, look what I just did on the one play you did put me in the game, and I know you're not about to put me in anymore. So next time he put me in the game, guess what I did? That same thing. Got another fumble recovery. So I'm like, okay, coach. I didn't have five plays, and I didn't got two fumble recoveries on five plays I didn't play. And I just put my hand up like that, like, 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 what's up? But I didn't say those words like that. So two of the most fun the, of the most memory I have of Auburn. And I do have another one of watching Cam Newton run down the sideline on us in the gray jerseys. I didn't get to play that game. The one time that we did get new jerseys that I always griped and, and, and yelled about and I didn't play and witnessing Cam Newton, Randy Moss, Jeremy McGee. That is forever burned into my brain. That to Jeremy McGee when – um. When 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 Richardson did it to to what's his name to Lil Boosie Cinquez Cinquez and when Leonard Fournette ran over a uh, old guy, uh, that's the three things of Ole Miss that's burned into my brain. <laughs> I, images I cannot get away. For those players that have never played in that environment before, what are they walking into? What's it like to play on the plains? That War Eagle stuff. I don't know where it comes from, but there is a real life that that's flying. He coming in there. It's loud. It's real grass. Uh, that was something different for me when I was in school, but everybody playing on real grass now because we had turf. They had grass. It's a different feel, different footing. You might slip, but it gets loud. If they if they get a, 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 a string of plays going, where they get that tempo going, you know, you might not get a chance to catch your breath, and it gets loud. That's That's, that's how they play. That's how that's just their atmosphere. Uh, control the waves of the game, but still at the same time they're at home. They're competitive. You got a smart coach. You don't know what you're going to get, man. They might start the game off with an onside kick or a, a sky a sky kick. You never know. It's just them. They're a bunch of tricksters. They got speedy guys, 
and the, and their fans are the followers. Remember, you know what happens a few a few years there, the tree, the people, the fans, and and their tailgate, they take every, all of that serious. So it's going to be a hostile environment. You say everywhere is hostile, but everyone everywhere has their own type of hostility. This is a different type of hostility. It's just imagine Alabama. Now it's just Auburn. And you're trying to go in and, and defeat them in their home and their land is going to be crazy because everybody's going to be there. It's not, not going to make it easy for you. Does Ole Miss find a way to pull off the upset? If they pull off the upset, I don't know how. It's, it's <laughs> I don't mess. either, man. <laughs> I don't know how. You know, so I really don't know how. So that's really what it would be. So how can I tell you they're going to pull off a miracle? Just it got to be an act of God. You know, angels in the outfield. Can we get some <laughs> angels in the backfield, please? Can we get some angels in the backfield, please? Somebody must summon them. So we have to see it, Ben. Because that's, that's all. That's the only way. Oh, missing the way. huddle, doing the whole little Giants. Giants, Giants, help us, God. Yeah, I need some some uh, Alka Seltzer. <laughs> Call this Operation Intimidation. <laughs> we need an ice box. We need we need a spike. Where's our spike, man? We need to run the annexation of Puerto Rico. Something. Mm. Something. Yeah, it's not happening. It's not going to be pretty. He's Kentrell Lockett, former Ole Miss defensive end for the forty yard dash. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Always a pleasure. And as always, RIP Phyllis. That was former Ole Miss defensive end Kentrell Lockett for the 40-yard dash here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. And the guest co-host chair is Colin Brewster at Colin Brewster. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave that five-star review. Say whatever you want to say, but make sure it's five stars. Talk of Champions is powered by BNA Bank. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Back with me now is Colin Brister. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Bit on Twitter. My thanks as always to Kentrell Lockett, former Ole Miss defensive end. Joined us on the Modern Women phone line for the 40-yard dash brought to you by Impact by Ironwood. Before we close this out, we haven't talked enough about it. I know basketball's heating up and it's coming. I've written a lot about it. But I want to talk some fall ball because it's about to be over and Colin's a baseball guy. What have you taken away so far from Ole Miss baseball through a month, two months of fall practices? Uh, I think uh, Gunnar Hogland's going to be extremely good this year. Uh, I think the velo ticks up, and it's going to tick even more up in the spring. Uh, Peyton Chatnier has been been way better than they expected. And you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. You've been around them a little bit more than I have. I think they think they've got a lot of depth offensively that maybe they didn't have when they signed all the young kids in 2017. Um, so I think it's it's a team that's got a chance to be extremely good. Um, frankly, because they can pitch it. They can pitch the crap out of it. Gur Holston is back, it seems. So the offense is going to be the question. I think a lot of people are going to make a lot of comparisons to the 2017 team, and I don't think that's going to turn out to be too accurate. I think they've got a lot of guys, one through nine, that can swing it and can make this team dangerous. Somebody's been reading Ben Garrett's stories on the Ole Miss spirit. <laughs> I have. I can't I can't tell a lie. I have been, I have been reading them. Peyton Chatagnier, I wrote about him. He's been the most impressive newcomer so far. Derek Diamond, I think, is going to be the number three starter. Velo's been a little up and down. That has to do with some nagging injuries that he's been dealing with. 
Um, Tyler Myers would be the next closest guy to compete with Derek Diamond for that spot. He's got some elbow tendonitis. He missed last week. Um, he should be back this week. But injury-wise, they're doing okay. Wes Burton had a freak deal to where in college baseball, baseball players aid the groundskeepers in keeping up the field, and the tractor oh, was coming out. The gate swings open. Wes Burton catches his index and middle fingers in the gate, tears him up pretty good. It was his pitching hand. You oh. never want that. But 6'8", that pitching plane, it's tough. I think Wes Burton's going to actually pitch a lot this year for Ole Miss baseball. Could be a midweek starter type of guy. We'll see. But Peyton Chatney, I think, has been the number one newcomer story. Hayden Dunhurst and Knox LaPosse are behind the plate. Defensively, it's Hayden Dunhurst. He's better. But Knox LaPosse has had a really good offensive fall. How much stock do you put into statistics in fall ball? I, okay, so it's weird. If they're if they're good performances, I, I put a decent amount in them. And this is going to sound a little homerish. If they're bad, not much. I, I think it, I don't think guys come into the fall and perform well and then don't produce in the spring that often. But I can remember quite a few that don't produce in the fall and then are really good in the spring. So if if somebody's coming in and having a good fall that that maybe you didn't expect, I think that matters. Um, but also on the same token, if somebody's hitting 120 or something, I don't think you should probably count them out for the spring either. Connor Walsh hasn't had a very good fall, for example. And that's who I was referencing. He's number 27 in perfect game. That kid's going to play and be good. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the one I was referencing. Don't worry about him. I'm not worried about Connor Walsh. Doug Nikhazy's been good. Gunner's been really good. Derek Diamond's been really good. The question for me is which infielder is going to the outfield? Justin Bench is playing second. Servideo's playing short. I don't know. I think Peyton Chatney is the second baseman right now. I was kind of thinking he may be the guy going to the outfield. Well, I asked Mike Bianco about that, and he said, I don't think that's the route we want to go right now. I think he would prefer to keep Peyton Chatney in the middle infield. Justin Bench might have that positional versatility to play out there. Yeah, yeah, that's a a good point. Somebody uh, among that group, Chatney, Bench, uh, Walsh, is going to the outfield more than likely. Uh, It's probably whoever produces, and they have to keep on the field. Uh, Tim Elko, to, to me, the, the key of this team is Tim Elko. Uh, he's had a pretty good fall from what I've heard. Um, he's always had good falls. He's always had good springs. And for whatever reason, for two years, it hasn't translated. If he hits, I think this team is extremely dangerous. If he doesn't, I don't know what this team is. I, I think he's the key cog for this lineup. Hayden Leatherwood's been okay. He'll be better in February, January, February. Kale Baker, he'll be better in January, February. I'm not worried about Juco's. I'm just not. Maybe that's me being naive, but I think they're going to hit. I think they'll be fine. But you don't want to overly rely on them. That's why Tim Elko matters. But I don't know if I trust Tim Elko. Even if he were raking this fall, which he's done a really good job, I don't know if I trust any number from Tim Elko until he goes out there in real games and puts together a long stretch of success. Yeah, I think that Ole Miss at this point in his career has to give him that opportunity if he earns it over the spring. I think he's a guy that you can't put in there for 10 or 12 games and let him hit 100 and then pull him off the field like they did last year. I think let the let the kid go play. The talent's obviously there. Um, I think if you let him play 30 games next year to start the year and see where he's at, I think there's a very good possibility he's hitting 280 with 10 home runs. Um, the talent's never been a question of Elko. It's been you know more he, he started out kind of slow and pressed. So if he has a good year for them, the ceiling's really the limit because the arms on this team are for real. Man, I wrote about this, but I'm drawing a blank as I'm trying to talk about it. They hope Tim Elko takes a step like a former catcher who didn't hit for two years, then became an <laughs> all No, Or Lartigue, Lartigue. Henry Lartigue. Yeah. That's yeah. what Mike Clement said to me. We want to see him follow the same path as Henry Lartigue, 
where he didn't hit for two years, but his junior year, he set it on fire and went pro. If Tim Elko is going pro after this year, that's exactly what Ole Miss wants. Oh, absolutely. If he's a fifth or sixth round pick, which he can be because he's a big, athletic, strong kid, uh, that that Ole Miss had a good year. Because I'm telling you, I don't see much way this team doesn't host a regional if Tim Elko plays well. I I think he's that important. Here's a question that's going to sound absurd, but Colin will know exactly where I'm going with it. <laughs> is there any chance Anthony Servidio isn't their starting shortstop? No. I only say that because he's played center and right. He played a lot of right last year. Here's why I say no. It's his draft year. They're not going to pull him off shortstop because they he's going to need to prove to scouts he can play it at a pro level. There's that's no that. comeback to that. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> frankly and a lot of people talked about this he may have been a better shortstop than Kessinger last year but you're never pulling that kid off shortstop it's and not offensively come on no 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 no, no. I'm not saying that but he was on the field if he's a better shortstop you should play him at shortstop right that's not how college baseball works it was Gray's draft year Gray's gonna play shortstop and where else was Gray gonna play third base he's not a second baseman no no I do wonder what do you think Gray projects as do you think he, he can stick it short in the majors Zach Cozart's at third base. He's Zach Cozart to me. You think they'll move him to third eventually? I don't eventually. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be a really good shortstop if he makes it to the majors for two, three, maybe four years, and then he's going to third base. I think he's got a shot, too, because they're not re-signing Correa. I think he's still got room to grow into his body, too. I think there's power potential that has not been quite unlocked with him. Yeah, it was getting to show at the end of his Ole Miss career, too. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that, I mean, he's good enough defensively to play third base and be a good defensive A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, if he hits enough, he's going to have a long career in that league. Well, Severidio's staying at shortstop, so that means that if they're not going to move Peyton Chattanier to center field, John Rice Plumley and Jerion Ely, I think, are going to get a chance. I do think yep. that. John Rice more than Jerion. But that's not going to come really until March, maybe April. So the starting wow. center fielder could be Justin Bench. He's going to play. Yeah. That kid's going to play. Oh, yeah. They believe in him. Oh, they I believe, believe in him, in too. Him. I think Justin Bench and this is going to sound blasphemous, he reminds me of a certain Justin Henry in what (laughs) he can be. That's not a bad comp. Yeah. That's not a bad comp at all. Yeah, can kind of put some positional versatility, can really move. Yeah, I like that comp. Uh, Justin Henry was a guy that hit probably 330. Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you there. Oh, look. See, I like it when Colin gets a little excited (laughs) about a comp I make. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think they're going to pitch it from day one and be good. Bullpen, rotation, doesn't matter. Offensively, this team is going to take a little bit. So if you're hoping that they're going to hit the ground running, temper your expectations. It's going to take a little bit. They're going to lose some games to bad teams, two to one, two to nothing. There are going to be a lot of short games in that press box for me. (laughs) You think? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. They're going. But I think by the time April 15th rolls around, they're a pretty good baseball team, too. Probably, yeah. Today is October 29th, as you Ole Miss fans right. are listening to this podcast. If you made me project the lineup as of October 29th, which is absurd, <laughs> there's no way this is going to be correct. That's how bad football's been, right? Yeah. Well, we talked for 30 minutes about Matt Luke, and I hope no one took that the wrong way. I just right, want to talk frankly about it. I'm tired of tiptoeing around it. It doesn't do anybody any good. Anyway, back to baseball. Projecting on October 29th, this will not stick. Do not hold me to it. Anthony Trevidio, shortstop leading off. Justin Bench, center fielder, batting second. Tyler yeah. Keenan, third base, batting third. Hayden Leatherwood, left fielder, batting fourth. Kevin Graham, 
first baseman batting fifth. Tim Elko, right fielder batting sixth. Knox LaPosser, designated hitter batting seventh. Hayden Dunhurst, catcher batting eighth. And second baseman, Peyton Chatagnier or Connor Walsh. But right now, October 29th, Peyton Chatagnier, second baseman, batting ninth. Not bad. No, no, not bad at all. I, I can't disagree. Um, I think Dunhurst is the catcher. I'll be honest. So uh, I've heard he's been really good defensively. You've told me that. If he's really good defensively, I think the bat's going to play. So I think there's a very good possibility that that Dunhurst and LaPasse are on the field together. I know Mike doesn't always like doing that because that's your backup catcher in the DH spot. Um, but if it comes to it, you can find somebody else to catch. You can make another catcher out of somebody. Somebody. I can't remember who it was. Was it Kel Baker? Yes, it was Kel Baker. I was talking to him earlier this fall. He's caught before. He's actually caught some bullpens. He can be the catcher if he needs to. I left Kel <laughs> Baker out of the starting lineup, but I'm going with Knox LaPosser because that's who Mike Bianco knows. And, hey, give it to Knox. Two tanks on Sunday. He hit well when he wasn't hurt last year, too. Average velo, exit velo of his two tanks, over 100. That means you're hitting him well. That plays. That okay. plays. I'm for it. Who's your one guy, newcomer, that you're most excited about that you want to see be good? Mine's Derek Diamond. God, you stole mine. Uh, uh, well, my second one's Dunhurst because I, I think he's he was slated maybe to not come to school. Uh, he winds up showing up. I think there's a chance he's a first-round pick by the time he leaves here. Veteran not named Tim Elko that needs to step up. It's time. Can I go Gunnar Hogland? Sure. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not necessarily a veteran. He's a sophomore, but, man, Hogland's a first-round pick, and I think he's going to show that this year, but he needs to show that this year. Uh, freshman year wasn't a great look at all the all the times. I think Gunner's going to have a big year, but he kind of needs to. I would be tempted to say Josh Hall, but I don't okay. know that Josh Hall is ever going to be more than he is right now. He's basically Billy Hamilton, the college baseball version of Billy Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Like He's that said, guy that has like a 578 OPS. Yeah. And okay, let me just throw a theory out there. Josh Hall is an extremely good base runner. Is he that? Is he overly fast, though? Like, there's guys on that team that are just as fast as him, right? I would argue John Rice Plumley and Jerry Ely are faster to first than he is. I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I was going with that. John Rice is going to find a way onto the field. I just yeah, feel it in my bones. That's based he's on just nothing. that dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's just kind of that dude. Like He's going to go out there, and he's going to hit 260 and play an elite center field or something. He's that guy that walks into a locker room, football or baseball, and takes it over, and everyone wants to play for him. When he's on your team, you probably love him, and when he's not, you probably hate him. Actually, I think you probably still that. love him. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. The deal with Jerry on, uh, what Mike Clement told me, is that they're working to simplify his swing. I like that because he does have power potential when he makes contact. He just swings and misses too much. He's a strong, strong kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you there. So uh, full-time baseball in the spring because, you know, Kyler Murray did both in the spring. Did these guys do any spring practice? And Completely I mean, we, committed to baseball in the spring. Okay, so let's just pretend that Ole Miss has a new football coach. It's tough for John Rice Plumley to go play quarterback without spring, right? Oh, gosh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where I'm kind of fascinated with all this and wow. how those two work out. And you know what's funny is their quarterback they've got coming in is a baseball player, too, in Ashford. A lot of dynamics there. Let me go ahead and quash all this and say Matt Luke's going to be the head coach next year. Agreed. Gun to my head, that's what's going to happen. But am I 100% convinced like I used to be? Absolutely not. So – Let's go ahead and quash that. John Rice is going to go through spring. 
just baseball, what is the percentage that Ole Miss makes a coaching change? Let's say 8 okay. to 15%. What do you do then if you're John Rice? You're the quarterback. Because I would assume yep. one of Grant Tisdale or Matt Corral has entered the transfer portal. Most likely, in my opinion, if we're playing the scenario out, Matt Corral going to Washington yep. State to play for Mike Leach, going back to the West Coast and balling out somewhere. Because he's a good player. Yeah. Um, I think Grant Tisdale's a good player. What in the world is going to happen if they get yeah. boat race at Auburn on Saturday and Grant Tisdale comes in when they're down 25 30? Because John Rice isn't completely healthy. I'm still not convinced he even plays on Saturday. I don't Saturday. think he's playing. But yeah. I don't either. But Grant Tisdale comes in, and he throws two, three touchdowns. Is a two-quarterback system going to then become the dreaded three-quarterback system? <laughs> the, well, you know, they had that back in, what, 05, the three-quarterback monster? Oh, I'll give you one better. It'll basically be Zach Stout, Barry Brunetti, oh, yeah. and Randall Mackey on steroids. <laughs> You know who's got a worse situation than that, though? Uh, Arkansas put Jerry Jones's grandson in in Alabama, and he completed seven of seven passes for like 50 yards. So they've got that to deal with this week. He's going to be the starting quarterback against Mississippi State, according to the fans. Yeah, well, Chad Morris guaranteed a win, so who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter who they start. They're going to win the game. I guess they can just take Arkansas money line. That'll All right, it's October 29th. we got to wrap this up. Over-under... At the end of it all, not just regular season, but the regular season SEC tournament postseason play. Okay. They won 41. Uh-huh. They're going under. So let's set it at 38 and a half. I'm going to go over. I think they're a 36 and 20 regular season team. Do some damage, maybe in the SEC tournament, NCAA regionals. Yeah, I'm going to go over. Optimism abounds with you every fall for Ole Miss. Hey, baseball. I've been right the past two, right? Yeah, yeah. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. You can hear him on the Rebel Report with our friend Brian Scott Rippey three times a week. Go to SoundCloud, iTunes, search the Rebel Report. They put a lot of thought into the name, so make sure to go check them out. Rebel Report. <laughs> you can check out Talk of Champions on iTunes, Talk of Champions, subscribe, rate, review. You leave the five-star review, call me whatever you want to call me, say the worst things about me. As long as it's five stars, I don't care. Also, I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to have a mailbag on Thursday with Sudu Upadeya, so go ahead and send in those mailbag questions. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Absolutely, my man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.